KYW Original Podcasts. This is KYW In-Depth. My name is Matt Leon. We have talked a lot about unemployment on these podcasts and for obvious reasons. But past that, could we actually be seeing the makeup of the American job market, the job force, change before our eyes? There are a lot of strings to pull on this concept, and to do so, we reached out to Dr. Eric Patton. He is an associate professor of management, actually chair of the management department at St. Joseph's University. Really fascinating discussion. Give a listen. So when we look at the American job market, are we kind of watching it change in real time as a result of the pandemic, uh, kind of the makeup, the types of jobs that are available and the makeup of the job force? I think what we're, we're seeing right now is a real-time disruption, which is kind of part of a almost a great experiment of what's happening in the world of work right now. And I think some of the practices, some of the priorities that are now emerging are actually going to be with us for for a long time. I view this as a potential jumping off point to a lot of practices that were on the one hand temporary that might become more permanent um, down the road. Some of these things, to be honest with you, I, I, I think are, are, are things that have been on the periphery of the job market in the workplace for several years. And I think what we're seeing now is an acceleration to a lot of forces that maybe were already starting and they're going to become just more prevalent. I read one article that said we haven't seen kind of a shift in the job market, the job force like this since the Great Depression. Is that a fair comparison where would you do you think we are experiencing something similar to what we saw in the the early 30s well you know i think that one of the things we we know a lot about business in general is that there are a lot of things that sort of happen and once they become habits they become entrenched and then you almost don't kind of think about them and you sort of take for granted how you go to work how you interact with employees how you shop how you do your banking, how you do your travel, uh, what my job actually entails. And I think what we're seeing now is a forced rethinking of a lot of those those past assumptions. Things like telecommuting and, and working from home, these aren't new, but they haven't happened on, on this scale ever. And I think what we're seeing now, you know, to your point of, of is this a, a, a real shift we're going we're gonna to have, is Every job now has had to, and every employer, every organization has almost had to look at every single job in their organization and take a hard look at it, not just an assumption of who needs to be in the office and who doesn't need to be in the office, what functions are valuable and what functions are, are not valuable. Over the last you know, four months, we've really had to look at some fundamental assumptions about what types of jobs are valuable, what types of jobs are more peripheral, what types of jobs are more high risk, what types of jobs are not, what types of jobs actually are maybe underpaid versus overpaid. So there are a number of different areas where we're going to be rethinking this as we go. And, you know, some, some of the things that we've just sort of taken for granted in terms of, again, just telework, are things that 
originally were restricted to maybe IT workers or or people who are easily able to you know to work uh, you know from home, but now things like telemedicine are, are are things that could be here for a long time. And then you sort of wonder, well, you know, that whole process we had of going to a doctor's office and signing in, and then seeing this person, and then seeing that person which seems just like the natural way of doing things, suddenly it's like, well, are those jobs really required to be face-to-face? Are those uh, procedures that we had, those signatures we needed to put on documents, are they really, really, you know, require sort of that type of physical presence? And maybe not, you know, anymore. I, I really think this could go one of two ways. We could have a huge snapback where everyone wants to go back to how it was, or this could be a jumping off point where 10 years from now we say this was an inflection point in the American workforce, which is now uh, fundamentally reshaped um, how we work, what types of jobs, what types of careers people are interested in, what type of deal and relationship I have with the organizations I work uh, with or for. And I think that's kind of what for people in my business who kind of teach this stuff and, you know, talk to a lot of business leaders, that's what makes this, you know, interesting beyond, of course, the horrible costs this has had in people's livelihood and, and, and health concerns. Um, whenever there's a disruption, there's opportunities for, for innovation. And I think some of, the, some of the changes we've made, people are going to view them as this is how things should be moving forward. Let's not go back. Are there certain sectors that you see that are going to be almost completely changed in the types of jobs, but also the amount of people that do it? Do you see some sectors that we're going to see numbers go through the roof as far as how many people work in those sectors and others that are never going to be the same, that are really going to be decimated big picture? Well, it's interesting because, you know, some of the business people I talk to, in some cases, they're busier than ever. And other people I talk to, you know, are scrambling to find work and their whole work has sort of been turned upside down. You know, I think one area that's, I think, definitely going to have a hard time recovering is travel industry, conferences. I mean, you know, there is such a huge industry around business travel when you think about it and large corporate events are often the crown jewels of certain you know calendar years for a lot of organizations you know i i think a lot of companies are now relooking at some of those events some of those signature experiences that they have even their real estate and thinking what is the value added you know for those for those areas it's kind of funny because We've been on, and you know, you mentioned the 1930s, and 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 even over the last, you know, 30, 40 years, we've seen such a shift in the American workplace of going from manufacturing to a more service economy. And what's interesting is that the COVID um, pandemic has really hurt the service economy in you know in a in a serious way. Um, Again, things like hotels and travel and just, um, you know, even how we buy a house. Uh, you know, the real estate market is usually a very, very, um, you know, person-to-person type type service. More people are now putting things on the internet and, and online that they wouldn't have necessarily thought of before. So I think what's, um, you know, where we're going to see 
a lot of changes and a lot of industries and a lot of jobs having to be seriously rethought are going to be some of those service, hospitality, travel, you know, real estate, um, maybe in for a rough ride over the next um, few years. I think there's going to be a much greater interest, or at least I'm hoping for a much greater interest in science-based careers. The managers and, and the workers I talk to who are in the pharmaceutical industry, medical device industry, hospital and health services, they're busier than ever. And I think that people, I think as a society, we're kind of realizing those are sectors where maybe we've let them sort of drift a little bit or, or focus more on, you know, more on the personal services, less on the science or the hard sciences. I could see that definitely, uh, you know, growing as years go by. Also, I think even what you and I are doing right now, talking on Zoom, this sort of communication, I, I don't think it's anything shocking to say that IT security is, has, is a major concern and will, and will continue to be. I think in the past, we've heard a lot about data breaches around money and financial issues. I think there's now a renewed interest just on security and privacy around communication, what we're doing right now. Uh, you know, the more that people collaborate online, share ideas online, there's going to be uh, a call for greater data security, not just around the financials, but just around, you know, that sort of intellectual property, not just financial property. So at the same time, and, you know, again, and I think this is what's interesting, it can go back and forth really quickly. I recently, one of my large conferences, and I'm sure, you know, it's the same for a lot of people, was canceled, uh, you know, this year. We have uh, a large conference that I was uh, supposed to attend back in April. We did it on Zoom. We did it virtually. And to be honest with you, on one hand, it was it was kind of nice because usually that conference, and I did a presentation, would be constrained to the people who were in that room watching me and, and interacting with me. The way the conference worked now is that it's available to everybody. So, you know, the audience for um, whether it's education, whether it's for, you know, just discussion, collaboration has now exponentially grown. At the same time, I think what a lot of us also realize when we go to those conferences, it's not always just the presentation or that event that you attended. Sometimes it's the coffee you grabbed with somebody that morning or the lunch, you know, that you had, or maybe there was some networking event in the, in the evening and you got to catch up with some, you know, older colleagues, or you got to talk about, uh, you know, a new idea for collaboration, or you learned about, you know, a job opening uh, here and there. So those are things that are going to be really, really hard to replace. And there's definitely a lot of discussion around the more creative, collaborative type of jobs, where you really do rely on sort of almost serendipitous meetings, chance meetings in the hallway, or just kind of brainstorming sessions that are a lot easier to do in person than, than online. I think we're, we're having a lot of very structured interactions over Zoom and, and through telecommunication, but there's often a lot of value to organizations in those sort of brief chance meetings, quick pop-ins that maybe we're losing 
So again, you know, it'll be interesting to see if there's a snapback also of looking, uh, you know, we're certainly gaining some efficiencies. We're kind of maybe rethinking if some things that might've been viewed as necessary or part of normal business in the past really aren't as efficient or as important as we thought, but there might be some other more subtle things that we realize that, you know, that we've lost through this process. Could we see over time where you could, like we've got Silicon Valley, yeah, but now for certain jobs, maybe I don't have to move to Silicon Valley if I want to be in that that type of business, I can work for one of those companies, but I can do it from Wheeling, West Virginia. I can do it from Clayton, New Jersey. Not obviously all jobs, but some. Could you see, and I just use Silicon Valley as one, but a kind of a thinning out where it's not all concentrated in one place? You look at like Wall Street and maybe that, I just think there's like certain pockets where this is what, this job dominates this area. And it has led to higher, I know with Silicon Valley, housing prices, lack of right. affordable housing, all these types right. of things. But all of a sudden, if I could get 30% of my workforce from across the country and they don't have to to move here, couldn't that open doors both ways? People that thought that maybe jobs like that were out of their reach suddenly are available and companies will be able to grab people from a wider swath of you know, maybe improve their employee base because they're not just focused on people that can afford to do what we need them to do. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that's already been happening previously with certain very forward-looking organizations and companies because, you know, if you're a company, like you said, in Silicon Valley, even in the Delaware Valley, you know, if you've kind of always been restricting your job search or your talent search to a geographical location, this type of online collaboration, this type of, you know, telework not only works for a pandemic. I mean, you and I were both talking to each other from probably not that far apart, but it opens up the global search for talent. I mean, if you have somebody who's a, a, an amazing programmer, an amazing graphic designer, an amazing architect, an ama- whatever it is, um, you know, do you really need them to relocate to your city? Do you really need or to restrict your candidate search to a certain geographic location? The answer to that is no. And I think a lot of smart companies have kind of realized that over the last 10 years. And I think that there's definitely going to be, again, a re-questioning of, of, of a lot of companies to sort of say, well, maybe I do want that person in West Virginia, or maybe there's like a wonderful person in you know, Boise or Omaha, Nebraska, and they want to stay there. They don't want to move here and they can produce and collaborate, you know, in the same way. I mean, this has been a trend, you know, even in, even in a lot of cities with, with real estate office space is very inefficient use of, of space. In a lot of cases, a lot of companies over the last five to 10 years have already been using sort of what we call almost like a hoteling type job uh, office space where maybe you don't have an individual office, but you do have a space when you need to come in and have a meeting, et cetera. But maybe you don't have that, you know, space. So we don't need to have five floors of offices. Maybe we only need to have two floors of offices for when people actually need to come in. So the whole idea of physical presence 
and even absence from work or what we, you know, what we consider to be appropriate attendance in physical spaces is definitely going to, you know, is definitely going to change. And Matt, you bring up a good point about the prices of just housing and, and the cost of living in the San Francisco Bay Area, in Washington, in D.C., in Boston, in New York. I mean, like, you know, there are so many uh, places where it seems unaffordable to work and what a turnoff that is for somebody maybe starting their career or, or even mid-career who's, who's looking to make a change. This is going to offer a lot more possibilities to people. Now, on the one hand, that could be a great equalizer. It could make opportunities for talent, for, you know, smart, motivated, hardworking people who maybe for a whole host of reasons cannot move to one of these centers and therefore had to, from a career standpoint, settle for something slightly less than maybe what they could have achieved. This could also be a great equalizer for talent where now, you know, it's not going to be about my physical presence or my physical location in, in, in certain areas maybe I'll be able to have opportunities I, I didn't think I had in the past. Now, on the flip side of that, there's also the, you know, the notion that do we all, and I think we're seeing this with a lot of employees right now, and also I think with a lot of schools and e- even children K-12, to do I have the technological tools in my house you know, to participate in this to the extent that if I went to the office, well, I would have all this, you know, I'd have all this technology and these tools, uh, you know, to be to begin with. Though there could be barriers for people where I require those tools and those resources that are available on site in an office building, on you know, in a in a, in a facility, uh, because I don't have that in my home. But some people might, depending if maybe. They have a higher socioeconomic status or whatnot. So on the one hand, again, I think a lot of these things could go one way you know, or another. On the one hand, this might break up that sort of old boys club or, or that sort of network where, hey, I have all these personal connections and I'm in this location that gives me a leg up over everybody else. Um, which in a way can sometimes be viewed as an unfair advantage that others, you know, won't have to now we've opened it up to people. Now you're not just competing with, you know, the people in the Philadelphia area, you know, you're going to be competing with people from all over the country and maybe even from Europe and Asia and, you know, and everywhere in terms of jobs. And it'll be the great equalizer, or it could be my strength and my opportunities are with, my people skills, my local connections, my abilities to go to job fairs and actually talk to people. And, and, and I don't have the technology or the resources to do this on my own from, from my house. So it'll be interesting to see if this becomes an equalizer or if it becomes a greater wedge in sort of certain disparities, or if it just shifts around and the advantages might be going to different people than in the past. You know, that was my next question because I was curious about we've got the growing income disparity in, in our society. So when you take the possibility of, of being able to compete for jobs from all over, and then when you look at what's kind of happened in the last three months, when you talk about jobs that have suddenly been looked at differently, you look at grocery store workers, Amazon warehouse workers, jobs that I don't think many people 
looked at as essential in February, all of a sudden, obviously, they really are. And you've seen a lot of these places push the minimum wage up to $15 an hour, give bonus pay for, you know, for, for showing up, basically, and having to deal with the public. When you combine the, the competition with the spotlight being on the importance of these jobs, could this situation we're, we're in help to close that income gap a little bit could is this another thing we could look back 10 years from now and say wow well you know the the lines were going this way now starting there they started to go this way yeah i i i think we're definitely again going to be rethinking what is an essential job what is a dangerous job what is a job that maybe deserves a uh you know a higher pay i think there's definitely going to be a shakeout as far as um as that goes and I think we're already, you know, seeing it. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually originally from Montreal, and um, you know, I was just um, uh, reading some stuff about back home, where there was a real shortage, and I think we've seen this in the pandemic of of nursing home employees and people who, you know, who care for the elderly. Well, in Canada, uh, you know, in 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 Montreal, the government has instituted a three-month program to train people for these jobs and they're going to be paying them guaranteed uh, a pay of, of $49,000 a year, you know, which is way more than what that, you know, that job and the people who work in those jobs, you know, have been paid. What this does at the same time is sometimes it causes other people. I know there's a bit of backlash, you know, against some of those programs because then you have somebody who maybe, you know, I mean, imagine that happening, sort of something similar happening here, which it could. Well, you have somebody who is a nurse's assistant who maybe has an associate's degree or someone who, you know, works in this field or that field who has, a, a, you know, a four-year college degree or whatever, who's been working for many, many years. They're not making that type of money. And suddenly, you know, there's a whole market shift of who's getting paid what. And it'll definitely be interesting. I do think there's going to be a premium on jobs that do require that sort of in-person physical connection. Not only because, on the one hand, there's an increased risk of, of sickness and infection or whatnot, but really... It's just something I think a lot of us now realize. And again, it's one of those things I mentioned before about taking things for granted that these jobs are are essential. And there are some things that you cannot do online. And there are some people behind the scenes, even as you mentioned, the uh, Amazon warehouse workers. You know, there's been a lot of us, I mean, myself included, who've worried about the working conditions of Amazon employees especially with the one-day delivery and a two-day delivery. And I think there's been a number, again, over the last couple of years of, you know, articles in the press about some of these difficult working conditions, uh, even though we can't see it. Well, I think now people are kind of thinking about it a lot more. When the pandemic started, something I was particularly worried about, and it hasn't come to pass and knock wood, it won't, uh, you know, happen, was I was worried about a lot of, and it has happened to a certain extent, a lot of healthcare work getting very sick a lot of grocery store workers getting you know coming down with COVID-19 um, you know there has been change and this is throughout the American labor history of safety issues and sort of at-risk employees really changing how we view certain you know certain jobs and uh, 
and the demand for, you know, oftentimes it's not just a question of changes coming in terms of, well, value that you, you know, that, that, that you bring to an organization or, or the profit motive. There's often a safety issue as well. And, you know, to the extent that SEPTA bus drivers or grocery workers have, and I know in SEPTA particularly, I think there's been quite a few cases where bus drivers and, 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 and subway employees have actually become sick. You kind of realize, wow, you're kind of dealing with a lot of people on a daily basis. And, you know, maybe those are jobs that, that actually deserve a premium, not only for the value they bring, but for some of the risks, you know, that are entailed. So, Again, there's an essential aspect, as you mentioned. There's also sort of a risk factor uh, as well that I think is going to have an effect on, on wages and the job market going forward. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you want to know how what you see or hear on the news is going to change your own life or your own routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.